podcast is brought to you by Unicorn.com, the premier esports betting site. Log on today to bet on your favorite games like League of Legends, Counter-Strike Global Offensive, basically any esport you can come up with for the chance to win awesome prizes like the Logitech G633 headset that I'm using right now. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Internet. This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar. I am the editor in chief and analyst for Imperial Esports, and welcome to another very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. It is IEM World Championship weekend. We are going to Katowice. We will enjoy some quality International League of Legends. This is something we do not get all that many times throughout the year, unlike the preseason IEM events. The rosters have been stabilized. We have some idea of who most of these teams are. And when I say we, of course, I am joined by my co-host and good friend and writer for Slingshot Esports, of course, Walter C80 Svetchuk. Walter, how are you doing, man? I'm I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. It's going to be amazing to see uh, TSM try to defend their IEM World Championship title from last year. And this time they actually have some good competition to go against and not the 12th place team in, in the LPL at the moment. So, you know, it's it's uh it's just going to be phenomenal as a western fan. This is going to be a great <laughs> great tournament. If you can't tell, my voice is dripping in sarcasm. Yeah. This was one of those things where if you had told me 3 months ago that this was going to be the lineup, I'm like, "Man, so we get to see a TSM with all these powerhouse players, a CLG <laughs> that like will have had all this time to figure everything out, which that is genuinely a little exciting. Origin, obviously a power. Fnatic never ceases to uh, to amaze us with what they're doing. I mean, Spirit's obviously such a great player, right? SK, you know, just man, what a, what a shame. We're gonna get there. Some of these teams are more exciting than others, but this is a I, I guess overall, how do you feel about the field here? How do you, are you excited? Are you you know no. are there any teams you wish were here that aren't? No, I. So so I'll, I'll go region <laughs> by region. China, I'm totally happy with. I'm yeah. totally I'm totally content with those two picks. Awesome, they're probably two of the better teams in in Ch- two of the best teams in China right now. Totally on board with that. Korea, um, I wish Rocks was here, I, mm-hmm. but you know, ever went on that crazy run at Cologne and they won the tournament, so they deserved it. I, I'm okay with SKT; they haven't been playing great lately, but I'm, I'm okay. Any event that has Faker is, you know, head and shoulders above anything else. North America, CLG, I'm okay with Immortals. Where, where are Immortals, please? Why are Immortals not at this tournament? Because now, for some strange reason, they're going to lose in the spring split finals, and we're not going to get to see them, I guess, international competition until probably Worlds. So we're all just going to be like, I don't know what this team is capable of. It's crushing North America. Whoa. I don't know. Bold prediction off the top there about Immortals. I'm going to have to remind you of this next week. When Immortals just starts blowing through everybody again, and you're like, That's why did fine. I think they they're going to fall apart? Be- they need to win a best of five series in the spring finals against one of two teams, and then, sure, whatever. But I'm not positive they're going to be at MSI. That's, that's, I'm not positive about it. So, so that leaves us with Europe, which 
Oh man! See, see, this is why, like, me now being over in Turkey has made these podcasts so much more fun. Because that's the genuine reaction. I had no idea that that was coming. Like, that's just a genuine welcome to European League of Legends, people. <laughs> we have Origin and Fanatic. There's the meme video of like, it, I think it's Indian. That, that meme where it's the guy, he's on that talk show and he's missing all the teeth. People made the jokes about when Riot was talking about sandbox mode and like, I, I'm sure people know like the memeish, memeish video. Stop me if I'm going crazy. But mm-hmm. that's kind of how I feel about the IEM selection here for Europe. And again, Origin won a tournament, so they automatically got here. But please, can I see instead of Fnatic, Vitality or G2? Or H2K. Like, one of those three teams, please, instead of bleeping Fnatic, please. Can I see a good team? Like, a decent team? Please? I mean, it's just... Please! I'm begging for Vitality, and I hate watching Vitality. Like, come on! I mean, it's just another example of how these IEM events... It's such a shame, really, at the end of the day, that they're run this way. But we... They weren't run this way last year! But, I mean, as a general rule, they invite teams that are going to be super popular. Like, why is TSM here? Oh, because they're the biggest, you know, fan base in North America. Why is Fnatic here? They're the most popular team in Europe. Why is SKT here? Well, they're the most popular team in Korea, and they just came off of a world championship. The only one I feel like they didn't go that way is maybe Royal, and you still get Mata and Looper in there, who are insanely popular. So, I mean... Look, I don't, I don't blame IEM from a business standpoint. It's the greatest move for them. They picked up a whole bunch of teams that have big fan bases that people will get very excited about if they succeed. They're not meant to be the world championship, but this is why it's always so disappointing that we have so few international tournaments. And by the way, uh, other thing, this is going to be my my little gripe. Oh, are, we gonna get the, are we going to get the 10-minute L- LMS? Why is there no LMS team? I just want to know. Like I'm just like, like, is TSM or Fnatic? <laughs> like, like, why can't we allow AHQ or one of these really good LMS teams? Why not have one? Just one. Like, we have two from every region. But at some point, why can't we let AHQ, who's been so dominant, who played really well at Worlds, who has so many fun things going on, and they have their own little LMS meta that has become this really interesting thing to watch. Why can't we have that? I just want one. Am I asking for too many things? Is that the problem? I, like- I, here's what I'm about to interrupt you, and, and you and Obscurica can go and have your little rant about LMS someplace else. Oh, when's the last time that you heard group of fans interrupt another region and chant AHQ, AHQ, AHQ. I understand the downside, (laughs) but we had two teams from Taiwan get to the top eight in worlds. We had zero teams from North America. I don't don't know what you're talking about. That didn't happen. That never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. That never happened. One day, one day Taiwan is going to get literally any respect. And let's be clear, Westdoor is actually insanely popular. That is a literal that is an actual draw into the crowd. There are there are people who are huge Westdoor fans internationally because he was such there was one point where he was like the top player in solo queue in three different regions at once. 
Like yeah. this guy has a name. Yeah. They could have pulled it off. They choose not to, and they always do with IEM. I've given up, you know, on them ever inviting a, a Taiwanese team. But well, you guys had Flash Wolves last year at the World Championship. And they almost beat the the reigning, defending, undisputed IEM World Champions team solo. Me. That's true. We did get Flash Wolves last year, and guess what? Flash Wolves made it into the. And then the semifinals. So yeah. it, it, look, it is what it is. Uh, we're going to talk about the teams that are here. That's enough introduction, I believe, for one podcast. Uh, and it starts with a team that we're not going to really talk about for that much because they're a Korean challenger team. And I don't know about you, but I haven't had a ton of time to break down too much from challenger. And that's ever. Uh, ever, of course, being the team that won IEM Cologne, a team that surprised everybody, I think, by performing as well as they did. Certainly, Aries uh, becoming the shot caller for that team made a huge difference. Key is now back from a self-imposed ban that they had on ELO boosting. We don't actually know if they if he did it, but the team just preemptively banned him so that Kespa wouldn't have to. So that probably tells you the answer there. But this team is obviously going to be trying to recreate some of that magic. Walter, what do you think are the odds that they can actually pull it off? Well... It kind of depends on what your definition of magic is. Are you saying they're going to win the entire tournament? I think the answer is a, a, a resounding no. Do we think they're going to take, you know, a couple of these best of ones and get out of groups? I'm almost willing to bet money that they're one of the two teams to get out of Group A. Almost. They replaced their mid laner that they had success with at IAM Cologne. And I know that Athena, the the utility that he was able to bring to the team of, of not being this super hard carry mid laner, but more of a nice kind of role player, nice fill player, kind of did the dirty work that allowed the rest of the team to be successful is an issue. And they've done well in the Korean Challenger League. They haven't been the greatest team in Korean Challenger League history, I guess, but you know, they're towards the top and they're 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 fairly successful. So like I said, it comes down to what your definition of magic is. Are they going to win the tournament? No. Are they going to get into the semifinals? There's a very good chance. Yeah, it really does depend on what you think about their performance recently in the Challengers series. They've played two series on 6.3. So there is at least something we can say about what they've done recently. But one of those was against a team that is okay this Pathos team that I don't think is really going to do much in the long run, but they're third in the Challenger Series right now, so you can say that it's something. But then they got 2-0'd by MVP. And my opinion is, now that they have their starting roster, if they're losing to a Korean Challenger team, I'm not going to pick them to get out of groups. That's kind of where I stand on it. I, I think that certainly there is a possibility if they can recreate some of that magic, but Ares is a shot caller who never had a ton of outstanding mechanical performances. I think Loken and Key are the way you have to play around this team, but you know, was you know, Crazy wasn't really the guy that stood out at Cologne either. Uh Tempt is fine. I think he's a suitable replacement. We've seen him do enough if you look at just the pure stats that are up on Esportspedia, but it just seems like either A ever dropped that series to MVP because they were putting all their time and attention into preparing for IEM Katowice, which is completely fair and, and quite possible. Or 
they haven't really adjusted well to this new patch yet. They're a team that hasn't had a lot of experience against top, top caliber teams and are now being thrown in a tournament in which they're going to have to face off against Royal Never Give Up, TSM, and Origin, who all of them have their flaws, but at least they've been playing in a professional league week after week and you know they have the kind of quality of opponent. All these different things that maybe Ever just doesn't have because they're a challenger team right now. So we'll see. I would like to see them make a nice run just because A, it would shut up a lot of Western fanboys, which I always find humorous as a general rule. But B, I would like this team to be good. I think that Ever, when they looked at their best, did a lot of fun things. I just don't know if they're there right now. It seems like if you look at what killed them in that MVP series, they really, really struggled against the Nautilus pick. It doesn't seem like they know how to counter the tanks yet. And the Kindred really wrecked them a bit as well. And these are things they're going to see again. Those are not going away anytime soon. So we'll see how they do. We're going to move on to teams we actually know a little bit more about, though. That goes on to TSM. I, I just, you know what I want to see? I want to see Keys Bard one last time. Yes. I want to see a Bard game. Do that for me, Ever. Let me see a good Bard game. You know, it's it's not likely to happen because of the way the brackets Probably are done. Not. But yeah. how much fun would it be to see Aphromoo versus Key in like a in a best of three, where they have Bard versus Bard, and just see which <laughs> one can can cause the most ridiculous <laughs> tempered fatals? Pretty sure it's Key. Not even gonna lie, pretty no, positive key. No, I'm like 99% sure too, but it would be fun to watch because then we could be like, look, it's the fifth best player in the world according to LOL Esports. <laughs> this will this will be great. <laughs> look, I, oh, oh, man, that that is some spicy hot sauce. Right hey, there. That's hey, all I have to say. I'll put it this way: I got that joke in, so I now no longer have to talk about the joke that was their power rankings going into this tournament. So. There. They they got that fair. They get fair a break enough. on one, they don't get a break on both. Let's talk fair about enough. TSM. TSM is a team that I think has baffled both of us for a while. We've talked about them quite a bit on the North American podcast. It just you know, they beat Echo Fox this week and they looked great. They lost to Liquid this week and they looked atrocious. I genuinely have no idea whether this team is any good or not. If if you had to to you know, put your life or your money on the line here. Which version of TSM do you think shows up? I just asked them to give me the gun. <laughs> I'll, I'll just, I'll just do it myself. I have, <laughs> I have no clue. They're, I, I've got no clue, man. This team is so schizophrenic. It's, it's beyond. They feel like the summer TSM. It feels like they didn't do anything. It feels like they literally just said, we're going to play the same way we did in the summer. And um, yeah, we're just going to have double lift be our AD carry instead of wild turtle. That I, I have no clue, man. I have no clue what's going on. They got rid of their head coach. They had Weldon for like two weeks. Everybody's like, Oh, this is, this was, they beat CLG and savior. And then they've lost three of their next four. Like guys, it, there's no magical there is no magical secret stuff. There's no Jordan shoes that you could put on. This team just is not figuring it out. And they're gonna have a very nice long off season after they get 3-0'd in the first round of the playoffs, where they're gonna look at every player on this team and go, Man, was this really the right decision? And um Yeah, I, I, I think some of it comes down to Bjergsen. 
Mm. Bjergsen has fallen off from his like spring split level of play. Some of it is maybe the meta. Fine. I'm looking back and and I'm looking and I haven't seen him play. He's played an Ari game. He's played a LeBlanc game. And when I can and, and he's played like two Cinder games, if you want to consider them kind of like burst Meiji assassins. And they've won his two Cinder games, but th- that's like his legacy pick. That's he's you know that that was one of the things he was known for. But the two games that he's really played assassins, the LeBlanc and the the Ari, he's been he's been horrendous. And and one of them was against Immortals, and one of them was against Cloud Nine, two of the best teams in North America. But you look at it and you just see. Control mage after control mage after control mage after control mage, and he just isn't having an impact on the game. You know, sure, you have some of these outliers, the the zillion game against Team Impulse where he did really well, but he wasn't the one carrying that game. It was the utility that the team had that was allowing Haunters on Fiora and 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 Double Lift on Corky to carry the game. I, I just. He he right now is the one thing that I look at them and I go, okay, what's one thing that if they could turn it around tomorrow, if they could fix this one issue, would help them win some more of these games? I'd be talking about them like, yeah, dude, they're really good. Like, they stand a good chance here. And it's Bjergsen. And I just, I'm not seeing Bjergsen be Bjergsen. He's he's playing like a replacement level mid laner right now. Oh, that's that's harsh. I don't know if I'm willing I, to go I'm that sorry, far. but it's true. It's true. What has he done in the past three weeks that you're like, yup, this this guy is the best player in North America? Nothing. Nothing. I don't, I don't know if I'd ever look at him and say, man, that is the best player in North America right now. But if you were to look at him in comparison to other North American mid laners, right now he has – actually, it's the fifth KDA. Wow. I mean, he's that's the middle of the pack. That's better than replacement level, but yeah, that's not. But that's that's not where you. That, when you think Bjergsen, you're not thinking the fifth best mid laner in North America. No, that, you're not. That has never been the sentence coming. Remember, at the beginning of the season, we're saying who is going to be the best? Who is going to take Bjergsen off the throne of the best mid laner in North America? Even last summer, when they were having problems, he was still crushing games. He was the one that single-handedly was trying to carry TSM into the World Championship and succeeded. That He was the one that during the playoffs, he was the counter-carry to what Dyrus was able to do. And even against CLG, he had problems against Paul Belter, but he was still the only reason they were ever in that series at any point during the first two games. And so, this, this split, that's double lift, and Bjergsen is being dragged behind double lift at this point. Let me make a counter-argument, just real quick. Go, go ahead, go ahead. I'm very he has a 7.1 CS differential at 10 minutes, which is by far the highest amongst mid laners. Okay. The only one that comes close is Phoenix at 5.4. Okay. That's my entire defense. I've, run, I've now officially run out of defenses. Because the KDA just, you know, people that he has a lower KDA than, Pobelter, Froggen, Phoenix, and Jensen. He is basically just above Shifter and GBM. In kills, Jensen, Huhi, and Pobelter all beat him. In assists, you know, same three guys are beating him. But this is the one that I find the most damning. Because if you're looking at Bjergsen, he was a guy that they built their team around. His kill participation is 72%. Midlanders that have a better kill participation than Bjergsen in North America. Jensen, Phoenix, GBM, Shifter, Alexich, and Froggen, and that's if we're not including Gate, who only played three games in the mid lane. 
He's not the centerpiece of the team. Doublelift is. And this is where I kind of came down on them last week. Like I felt the game that they won was the game in which they were playing against a bot lane that they could dominate because Echo Fox doesn't have a particularly impressive bot lane. And the game that they lost was the game against Piglet. And Piglet's really good at League of Legends. Like that's that's essentially where I am with TSM at this point. Did Doublelift win lane hard enough for the rest of his team to capitalize? If yes, win. If no, not so well. Win. And I that, think putting Doublelift on Ezreal was stupid in its own right. Yeah, I'm not. When you're playing that. that kind of style, I don't want to get on this like totally ripping apart TSM for the entire year, but I, they're not a good team right now. They are no. not a good team, top to bottom. Coaching staff, analysts. Top to bottom, they are a terrible team. And honestly, the only person who's worth a damn at the moment is Doublelift. And I feel really bad for him right now. Yeah, I, I really did. I feel like his in, in those losses, his talent's been wasted. And he's got to be wondering, like, you know, I left CLG for this. Like, I just won my first championship. We got to the Worlds. We did, you know, pretty well the first week before we kind of blew it. And now he's watching the CLG team go on to do better and better things. And he's on a team, and, and this is the best part of the interview I had with Stephen Nugent Wynn from Esports Heaven, which if you haven't gotten listening yet, you really should. Uh, we broke down all of the top six teams in the North American LCS. And when he said about TSM is, it doesn't feel like they built this team thinking about how all of these talents complemented each other. Like it felt like they were trying to build a highlight reel where they just wanted a whole bunch of big names that were very exciting that they could just, you know, draw in a whole bunch of fans, draw in a whole bunch of hype and just hope that they all ended up working well together. I think that there's some overlap in terms of what these guys each provide for the team. You know, we have three different shot. Actually, you could argue that there are four different shot callers on this TSM team right now. How is that helpful? Since when is having four guys that have been used to being primary shot callers ever ended well? Uh, spoiler alert, hasn't. You have th- three guys now that are used to hard carrying their team. Like there isn't an ex-Smithy style guy who just does his job, gives resources off to the people who really need it. No, that guy doesn't exist on this team. And it's really going to come down to how good you think Loken and Key are at the end of the day forever. Because if you think that that bot lane can handle you know, enough that Doublelift doesn't snowball ahead. I think Ever has this. And if TSM gets into the loser's bracket on day one, I don't think they bounce back. Even if they play Origin, I don't think they bounce back. Just out of curiosity, Walter, where do you think the line is on this game? Uh, I think TSM minus 175. It is Ever minus 130. Oh my God. Our, our Korean challenger team, uh, which, by the way, I should also point out that for the overall odds for on uh, on Unicorn right now, uh, it is listed as Team Solo Mind, which is kind of what I feel like the team is right now. There is one mind amongst all of them, and it's in, in Double Lift's head. That's where we are. So I don't even know if that's a typo anymore. <laughs> We're gonna move on to the next that's team. Funny. That uh, that makes me happy. It's pretty. That great. makes me very happy. Origin. Speaking of one dumpster fire. <laughs> oh my god. This, this is the team I am the least excited to see play internationally right now. And we can't even make the argument that they never should have been invited because they won they their won spot. They won San Jose. But on the other hand, is there anything about this team you're looking forward to at this tournament? 
All right, all right. So here's how Origin wins games. Okay. They sit down. They look at the other team like it's a job interview. Okay. And they go, can you handle a split push? And the other team looks at them kind of haphazardly, and they're given a choice, yes or no. They take the red pill or the blue pill. And depending on what their answer is, that's how you know if Origin is going to win the game or not. (laughs) Because if the team can handle a split push, Origin is screwed. If the team can't handle a split push, then we get to spend 45 minutes extolling the virtues of how Soaz is this amazing player because he just split pushed and won the game. Yeah. That's, That's my feelings on Origin. Literally, their only path to success is let Soaz just split push them to death. That's literally, and just hope they don't know what to do. Hope that they can't react. Hope that they send three people at them and then Zven can, you know, clean up a nice 4v2. Hope that, you know, they just send one person over there and Soaz is just going to keep bashing his head into this wall until they finally knock down the Nexus. That's literally my analysis of, of, of Origin. Yeah. That's it. I don't know what else to say at this point. Amazing looks lost. Power of Evil is a definitive downgrade at this point. Sven just looks exhausted. I don't... It's really hard to watch this team at this point. And, it, you know, I, I've said this before about certain teams over the years. But this isn't one of those teams where I hate watching because they're particularly terrible. Or I hate watching because, you know, they're really boring or whatever. I just hate watching this team because I know what they should be and I know they're not that and it's infuriating to me. Like when you see them play against G2, they just looked like they didn't even belong on the same rift. And given the amount of talent that we know is on that roster, given that this is a team that made it to the semifinals of Worlds less than half a year ago, to me that's just depressing i don't even know how else to put it you like i genuinely do not believe that players fall off in skill that quickly i understand that metas can change some things but it's not like amazing's in a meta where he's not able to do what he was doing last year right this isn't a bangy situation which we'll get to in a bit but this team should operate just fine and the fact that they're not tells me that there are serious fundamental issues about this team. And it's unfortunate for them that they start by playing against Royal Never Give Up, which might be the best team in China. But I feel like it, it's something to do with preparation that has caused this drop-off, not not talent. I still think Soaz is an, like an insanely talented player. I think he's has a lot of skill. He has a lot of knowledge about the game. But there's something that's not connecting them to actual success. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the preparation aspect and not, not that they don't have a coach, not that that is the issue because we've memed that to death and it's probably part of it, but I feel like they just don't know how to properly practice anymore. And all the other teams have figured that out. So teams have like an advantage off the bat against them. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I think it is. I think that's fair. I think that it's a very tough position to be in. When you've been a veteran for as long as you have, you feel like you have a very good handle on, on what needs to happen week in and week out. But the landscape of what League of Legends is now has changed so much. You have these massive coaching staffs. You have so many more potential scrim partners and so many more, so much more film you can watch. So many more opportunities to really grow as a unit 
And if you just handle things the way that they did back when most of these guys were first entering the league, that's just not enough anymore. They might be talented. It's not enough talent that you can get away with being behind the times in terms of the efficiency of how you practice, the efficiency of of what you get out of your day-to-day solo queue experiences. And right now, I agree with you. They just look like a team in disarray. But it also looks like a team that just doesn't know what they want to be yet. Soaz knows what he wants to be. He wants to be a split pusher. Every other person on this team, I genuinely don't know if, if they understand their identity at this mm-hmm. point. And that's not good for them because there are a lot of things we could say about Royal Never Give Up. But one of them is that they have a definitive identity. And Walter, I know you don't watch a ton of China, but you did watch their series against Chao Gu. What yes. was your takeaway watching that game? So so I, I, I take a lot of my information that I do have from other sources. Um, Proskurin, Kelsey Moser, the, mm-hmm. the casters themselves, just what they say. So I'm probably going to parrot a lot of what they say. In general, these aren't my thoughts, but I tend to agree with them because they're the experts and I'm not. Royal was entertaining for me to watch because the way they play is they don't, they play the like, all right, we're just going to push side lane like meta that I kind of just hate because it's not fun, but they're always trying to make a play. And MLXG, the jungler, I love this kid. Mm -hmm. I, I loved watching him play because he is constantly in the enemy jungle. Let me make a play. Let me get vision with model. Let me do this. Contesting every single buff, every single wolf camp, every single, you know, wraith camp. Just, it's so much fun to watch him play because he's so aggressive. And I didn't see them lose. I, I literally only watched that series because I'm like, okay, wow, you know, I, I know what other people say. Let me just see if I can confirm this, whatever. So I haven't seen them playing losses, but for what they were saying about he plays the same way, whether it's a win or a loss, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows who he is, and he's not going to change it for anything. And sure, that probably when they're losing, it probably gets him killed a lot, and it probably gets him caught out, and when they can't establish all the, you know, the vision control and everything. But it's just, it's refreshing to see a player that's just like, so like, nope, this is who I am, and I'm going to play this way either or. So that that's really cool. Um, it's nice to see Looper having some some success again after a really up and down season five. When we, you know, a lot of people thought he was a little overrated coming out of season four. Best top laner, you know, oh, they won worlds. He's, you know, this amazing top laner. Can he play without everyone else? Blah, blah, blah. And then he kind of fell flat in season five. And it's good to see him come out in season six and, and he's a stronger player. Um, again, in that series, like the, the first game of that series against QG, he just absolutely styled on V. And then in game two, he like teleported to the bot lane outer tower while QG was just about to hit it with like the wave to kill it and just just died to four people. Like there's lit, and it's like, oh, Looper, like, <laughs> oh, you still make the same mistakes. This is re- this is great to see. And he like kept making silly mistakes in like the first fifteen minutes. And Uzi got like he was up like three zero just because Looper kept making stupid decisions like this. Mm-hmm. And but he's playing Nautilus, and like Nautilus is the second he hits six, like he has three, four different versions of CC and a shield, like. <laughs> It's a Nautilus. What are you going to do? You just try to get to like mid game, late game, and you just keep building tank. It doesn't matter how many times you die. So, so that was fun to see to see him do that. And then, and then Mata. 
I can't wait to watch Mata again. And I'm kind of disappointed that I haven't watched more Chinese League of Legends because I forgot how good Mata is. Mm -hmm. And I'm really hoping this tournament is like one of those, like I'm auditing, I'm auditing a Chinese like lull course. And I just get to see Mata be amazing for a tournament and we go, yep, that's why he's the best support player in the world. All right, moving back to my Western League of Legends and I'm going to go cry in a corner. Well, and to be fair, Mata was not that guy for Vici last split. I mean, no. this is something where both Mata and Looper have really come back in a big way. And, you know, allowing that bot lane and Wux and Mata to be a very fun bot lane. I mean, that's that's been the difference with this Royal Never Give Up team. They now have an identity. MLXG is going to get the deep wards. Wux and Mata are going to win their lane. And then, as Kelsey Moser points out in her article... Dancing Around the Swap, which is on the Score Esports, and I cannot recommend more highly. Uh, she was one of two people that really saved my ass when I was trying to prep for this podcast. It's very barren or bust for this team. If they secure the first Baron, they have a 100% win rate. Their earliest Baron time is three minutes earlier than the average. It's a 25 minutes is their uh, average first Baron time. And they just use it so effectively that the snowball just comes in, and before you know it, you're done. And that's what they do. They have they you know they are able to get that you know bot lane lead, five point five CS lead at ten minutes for Wux right now. Mata is the perfect two v two support. Looper does what he needs to do, and MLXG gets a crazy amount of gold because he likes to be on really aggressive junglers. This is something where it is absolutely the worst case scenario for Origin. Because while Origin is reeling, having no idea how it is they want to play this tournament, RNG is saying to themselves, we know exactly what we are. Can you stop us? And Origin's, I, I think their answer is no. No, we don't, we don't actually know what we're doing in this one. So, Walter, where do you think the line is in the game between these two. So I think it's going to be Royal at uh, minus 225. That's actually astonishingly close. It is Royal at minus 233. It's uh, it, It's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be an interesting group. I, I think that the real question becomes, can TSM or Origin do enough to unseat Ever? Which is a team that hasn't had the same kind of experience, but at the same time, they, they know the Korean infrastructure. They scrim with a lot of great Korean teams. You've got to imagine that they're ready for these kinds of things. If you had to pick which two teams get out of this group, who do you think it's going to be? Uh, Royal, definitely. And then I think it's a coin flip between TSM and Ever. I don't think Origin makes it out. I kind of think whoever wins the first best of one in the winner's bracket loses the best of three. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does feel like I'm one thinking. of those things where like, we're going to see one of these teams give away exactly how they're going to play. Mm -hmm. And then the other team's just going to adjust and there's not going to be an answer. I actually like thinking of it like that. I think, I think TSM loses the first game because I think ever like pseudo cheeses them. Like they're just not prepared for whatever does. Maybe maybe it's the um, maybe it's the bard. Like they aren't used to playing against a good bard. I, I don't know what it is. I think everyone's the first game, and then I think TSM wins the best of three series two one. 
So that that's what I'll say. This isn't me being like a, a stupid Western fanboy. Like I, I actually think that's kind of how it's going to play out. Yeah. I think that's like the most logical way for it to play out. That's fair. I'm going to take RNG and Ever and call it a day. I, I just think that TSM needs to prove to me that they know who they are. And in a best of three, if you have no solidified team identity, that's a problem. I, I just feel like it. You, you need to have something you can build around and make small adjustments to instead of basically trying to figure everything out on the fly. If they'd looked more consistent last week, I'd feel better about it. But, you know, at the very least, I think we'll have some interesting highlights coming out of Group A. And, you know, Walter, we both love highlights on this show, right? Yeah. I mean, I love it, highlight videos, man. And honestly, like, especially with tournaments like this, there are so many games. They don't always air at the best times, depending on where you are in the world. So having highlight videos for big tournaments like this is perfect because it gets you right to the fun moments and all of the big things that are going to make this tournament what it is. Those fun crowd moments, everything that makes an international tournament how it goes. But, you know, it's hard to make highlight videos, right? I mean, where's your video editing nowadays? I don't do any video editing. I, I have no clue. I've never done any type of video editing before. Well, so what I don't if think I, t- I can. So what if I told you, Walter, that you didn't need to know anything about video editing to make some really awesome highlight reels to share with your friends, the community at large, and really interact in this really fun community-style way? It actually does exist. It's called Vibby. And it's awesome. You just pick the clips that you want. You put in your timestamps and you can pick exactly when you want to stop, start. It takes the actual YouTube video and embeds this over. So it all plays out with the highlights that you create. You capture the best moments there and you can share them with your friends. You can do this for your favorite streamers, for your favorite competitive games. You can even go to some team pages sometimes and share it there. I highly recommend it. I think it's a great site and it is perfect for people like you and I who really don't do a lot of video editing, but would be very interested in compiling some highlights to share with people and kind of re-examine as we look at, you know, what were the moments that made this tournament what it was. So go to vibby.com today and sign up and enjoy all of the awesome highlights that you can go make. But let's talk about Group B now, because Group B to me is the more interesting of the two groups. And not just because, you know, three of the teams are, are such a question mark in Group A, but we start with SK Telecom. And amazingly, I don't know how I feel about this team. Oh, oh, good. You're not the only one. It seems they've had a lot of really weird ups and downs with the meta changes that have gone forward. And even having Faker on their roster isn't enough to convince a lot of people that they're going to be ready for this tournament. So I'll start with this, Walter. Do you think this team can bounce back once they hit the international stage in which they tend to give their best performances. Well, the thing is you can never count out Faker. Hmm. He is he is, you know, arguably the best player in the world at what he does just outright. It's very hard to argue that point. But lately they've just had some problems and and part of it is I guess they're they're putting the blame essentially on Banky and they're replacing him with with blank for this tournament. I just don't know how to feel. I feel like they're they're it's the same thing in like season four where they came off and they were they had a great world championship run and then like season four they kind of they, they did. They got lost. They got lost. They tried to replace Pooh Man. Do that didn't quite work out. They brought him back and again it just 
it wasn't quite working out right. And here, I think it's part meta, and I think it's part changing from Marin to Duke, and changing from potentially Bangi to Blank, and having Scout play a few games. And I think they're still trying to find their identity as a team. It's really interesting to watch. And, and for the record, uh, since I'm going to be plugging articles that saved my ass when I was preparing for this, the rise and fall and rise and fall of SK Telecom T1 by Emily Rand on the score just came out today. Brilliantly written article. Um, she and Kelsey Moser both do great work. And if you're not following either of them on Twitter, you guys clearly haven't listened enough to our plugs as we've had them both on the show before. I think we've only had Emily on the show before. We need to get Kelsey on the show. That's really what I'm learning here. I've worked with her on Into the Rift. Anyway, this team is left with a lot of question marks. And the jungle is the biggest problem, I would say, right now. Bengi is completely out of his champion pool. The Elise is the only thing he's really had a lot of success on. And while you would think that the Gragas coming back would give him something, it seems like there just isn't any confidence in him at this point. And that leaves us with looking at Duke, who did a lot of great things last year, but doesn't seem to be gelling with what the rest of this team wants him to do. He oftentimes gets left to split push on his own without any real objective coming that way. And, you know, on Najin, they had a very specific use for him because they didn't really have any other big threats to work with. So leaving the top laner on an island, that, that worked out all right. But here, they really need to find a way to balance these lanes. And Duke has kind of been left to the background since the jungler hasn't been nearly as efficient. And that leaves Faker and Bang, who have both been the best at their position in Korea, arguably. They were both picked by Emily Rand when she did her write-up of her picks for the best in Korea at the midway point. Kind of left them to be this, the only two real carries for this team. Which, on the one hand, when Faker is your carry, that makes you feel a little better. And Bang has had a great split. But on the other, do you think that having two carries is enough in a tournament like this? Where there are so many teams that are going to try to particularly target this team. And obviously when you're playing against the world champion, everyone's going to be bringing their best. Well, the the problem right now is that the game is slowly transitioning away from from the top lane hard carries. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, it, it it is it is still settling in this very like split push heavy style. But you can do things such as play Nautilus with Banner of Command and Zizirot Portal, and you know things like that where you don't have to have a Fiora where you don't have to have a Quinn, where you can do these things where you still have some utility kind of tanks coming from the top lane, and now it it seems like it's shifting back towards AD carries being the very primary carry. The same thing, like, Jungler is sort of shifting away from the Kindreds, the Graves, the... I, yeah, Nidalee is still played, and I will, for the life of me, disagree with that champion forever because she's so t- so volatile in in her success but you see it there's this slight shift towards more utility focus you still see elises you're seeing gragas you're seeing you know you're seeing junglers now pick not for hard carry potential but for what else do they bring to the team that makes the rest of it go and you're seeing a lot more okay let's play these 
protect the 80 carry style compositions. You're seeing a lot of Brahms. You're seeing a lot of Alistars that can peel for the 80 carry. You're seeing a lot of Jana that can disengage for the 80 carry. And that's primarily where everything's going for. So I think for this tournament, it helps SKT that it is shifting away from you don't necessarily need to play Fiora in the top lane. You don't necessarily need to play Quinn in the top lane. You don't necessarily need to play Graves in the top lane. You don't need a hard carry top laner. You can shift to this more utility focus and use the items in the game to help with your split pushing and protect your more valuable assets, which in, in my mind are obviously Faker and Bang as opposed to Duke. So I think this is a good start for SKT to continue building on that progression of the meta and, and, you know, further build on what their identity is. Yeah, I think that's entirely fair. And to be honest, this is the reason why I still think SKT are the favorites to win this tournament. I'm giving a spoiler alert for the end of the podcast, of course, there, <laughs> I suppose. But SKT still has Faker on their team. And Bang has been the best that he's been so far outside of maybe the world championship. The guy has been an absolute monster. And in Korea, where you have a lot of teams that you know are, are targeting bands exclusively at those guys and have this map understanding that can try to push a team like SKT back, it's it can be tough. We have seen SKT drop series that they shouldn't. They dropped a series to Africa Freaks, for goodness sakes. Like That's just something that should not happen. When you're yeah. playing at your best. But at the same time, now is the chance as the meta moves more and more, as you've said, in this faker bang way. Bang right now leads the LCK with a 9.09 KDA. That is a really serious threat for any team that is coming their way. And you can never underestimate faker. So from those two points alone, maybe that's enough. Maybe that alone is enough to carry them through, but I got to be honest, if you can really pick on blank, if you can really put some pressure on that top lane, if you can try to catch Wolf out of position, which is something that he has been known to do in the past, you put a ton of pressure on two guys to perform. And in the LCK, that has often proven to be too much for them to handle. Whether they can do that here, I guess, depends on how you feel about the teams they're going to be playing. And if you believe in LOL Esports, their matchup in the first round is going to be their toughest one because they're playing CLG, the A-tier team. I, I said I wasn't going to make fun of that article, and then I just did. I don't care. CLG, the A-tier team, according to LOL Esports. Narrative, boys. Narrative. So, so let's look at the outside of the narrative because, obviously, we're not here to discuss narrative purposes. So what are you seeing with the CLG team, how are they able to take out Immortals, and, and what does that say about them in this tournament? I think they just played to their style. I think they were able to to get on top of Immortals, and someone had to beat Immortals. And I think that the way Immortals does is does succeed is through a very top lane centric style where they allow Huni to put a lot of pressure on the map, and then rotate around and, and, and play around their AD carry and, and play around Wild Turtle and play around what, what Pole Belter is able to do. And I think that, that a perfect storm happened and Hui was able to beat Pole Belter in lane. Stixday was not getting caught out by, by the super aggressive Wild Turtle. I, 
Wild Turtle was very aggressive, but Stixay didn't give him very many moments where he could hop on top of him and just kill him, like Stixay has been doing previously, where he's been out of position, where he's you know gotten ganked and his support's not there, et cetera, et cetera. I think their play styles are very, very similar. It's just that there's more variance on CLG's side. That their ceilings are about the same, but the floor on CLG, like what when something bad happens it can be a little bit worse than what happens with Immortals. And I just think that CLG outplayed them, out-pressured them across the board, and you know, were able to pick up a win because the biggest improvement on this team has been X-Smithy. Mm-hmm. X-Smithy has probably been the... the you know, as much as you know, Stixay and Hui are rookies and they're going to be improving across the board, X-Smithy in and of himself on this Udyr pick against Immortals and Cloud9 had such a presence on the map. He was constantly running around. He was constantly getting wards and he was constantly escaping from these moments where you thought that Rusher or Rainover were going to finally catch him out and get a kill. And it was just extremely well done. Aphromu, we joked earlier about the bard play. He's been a very good bard. Again, getting that roaming. And when you can have two bodies that are constantly moving around the map, getting ward control, getting invades, taking a camp here, taking a camp there, putting a little bit of pressure on, on, on Huni, making you know, Wild Turtle take a step back, it accomplishes a lot in terms of overall control of the map. And... I think that's just something that CLG was able to do so successfully in both of those games. And when it comes to this matchup against SKT, I think there's a chance they can exert that same type of influence. But the real question is, for that to happen, Stixay and Hui need to not just completely feed their brains out to two very, very good players. Yeah. And you just gave the best-case scenario and worst-case scenario for the CLG matchup all in one great rant there. Because on the one hand, Darshan versus Duke doesn't look as terrifying as it looked on paper three months ago. Darshan's been playing incredibly well. Duke has been kind of left to his own devices and has struggled at times. Xmithy has really taken a step forward, whereas the SKT jungle has undoubtedly taken a step back, and Blank is... Very unproven at this point, but man, when I think about who he versus Faker, if I'm a CLG fan, I just break into a cold sweat. Like, there's a 0% chance that lane goes well. And it's not even something where I would blame Huhi for that. Like, what is Huhi supposed to do? He was never even a starter before this year at, at an LCS level. The mm-hmm. guy is still struggling just to hit the skill shots consistently that he needs even as he's doing better and better overall. But Faker is such a mechanical god. I I don't see how that matchup goes well at all. And while I do like Stixay and, and what he's become, Bang is playing on a whole nother level. And to me, if CLG wants to really impress in this tournament and wants to surprise everybody by getting out of this group, which would be an accomplishment in and of itself for the record, I think that This is a very difficult Group B, and whoever emerges from this group will have had to battle quite a few great teams to get there. They've got to find a way to mitigate some of the damage that is going to come towards those lanes. And against SKT, I don't know how you do that. Against Mm -hmm. Gu, however, they're going to have potentially some options. We'll get into Gu in a bit, but... Before we do that, let's talk about the Unicorn line. Where do you think the line is here? 
I have SKT at minus 200. That is exactly correct. It is minus 200, which I think is probably the most, you know, obvious line of the ones that we have. Not to take anything away, but that Mm -hmm. is where it should be. SKT is not the powerhouse that they used to be. We should not be treating them like the powerhouse that they used to be. On the other hand, CLG is doing enough to keep themselves relevant, but not enough that we should be giving too much respect on the other end. Yeah. It feels like SKT wins this game two out of three times, which is exactly what the line says. So, mm-hmm. incredibly fair. Let's talk about Fnatic real quick. I don't have a lot to say about Fnatic that we haven't already said in our podcast. Was there anything that happened last week that changed your opinion on Fnatic? Um, at all? Did, did, did Have the needles moved in any... No. Anyway. Yeah. No. Not really. I, I, I think they, they played very well against Rockat. They they were very strong, very tried to control the map as much as they could and, and it was a very it was a decent victory, but um no, I I think they're the worst team here. Yeah. I think they're worse than TSM. I think they're worse than Origin. Well, as well, weird as that sounds, I think I think they actually are worse than Origin. That's interesting to me. I'm not sure if I'll uh, I'll go with Because I don't think far. Gamsu can handle a split push. That is a concern. But as you said, the split push isn't going to be quite as relevant as it's been. There are yeah. ways to get around it now. And Gamsu has been trying to play. Like, he played the Maokai. He's played some Nautilus. It does seem like those tankier top laners are something that he does feel ca- capable on and will mm-hmm. continue to feel capable on. But at the end of the day... I do agree with you that in this group in particular, they are easily the weakest team. We have yet to see them really come up with a cohesive strategy that everyone mm-hmm. can agree upon. Reckless has taken a huge step back. Fabivin isn't the hard-carrying guy that he was. Spirit, I don't even know what you say about Spirit at this point. What has to go right for Fnatic to surprise us? What are what are the things like if you were going to create the fanatic, you know, surprises all of us and makes it out of this group? What has to break their way? Spirit needs to control the jungle. He needs to be the most aggressive jungler in this group, which I think is possible. I we have not seen much of Blank in the few games that we saw early on in the year. He was not great at protecting his own camps. Mm-hmm. Smithy, as well as he's been playing lately, traditionally he he has not been amazing as a jungler in terms of exerting a high amount of pressure in terms of counter jungling and in terms of farming. It's only been fairly recent that he's been able to establish this. And Swift, much like the rest of his team, seems very content with you know sort of giving up the early game and trying to get into the mid to late game where they want a team fight. So. If Fnatic is going to make any sort of noise in this group, Spirit needs to control probably 55% of the jungle camps. Yeah. When you look at the stats afterwards, if Fnatic does well, it's because Fnatic has controlled probably 55 to 60% of the jungle creeps as a whole. And I just don't think that's the case because I think uh, Gamsu is an extremely passive laner. I think Reckless is an extremely passive laner. Cly, I think, is still getting used to playing at an LCS level and thrusting him in what is now his... His seventh game on the professional stage will be against Kwao Gu is going to be an enormous task. And Fabivan, 
I think is also a passive laner, but we know he can get pretty aggressive. He can get out there and 1v1 people, so it's going to be a combination of Spirit getting into the enemy jungle, controlling the map, controlling the enemy camps, and Fabivan casting off this, okay, everybody wants to play safe, so I'm going to play safe style, and just saying, screw it, I'm going to kill people. We're going to be talking about, you know, I want everyone to talk about me after this tournament like they talked about me after MSI, where I solo killed Faker three times. Yeah, that's basically the only path to victory here. And unfortunately for Fnatic, that's not been a particularly reliable path. It does feel like we we get two different types of imports when it comes to bringing Koreans over in particular. You know, with Spirit, you look at what he did on World Elite. A lot of people have this very high opinion of him because he played well in the spring and he did really well at the IEM Katowice event. But he was very much a mixed bag during the summer split for World Elite. Mm-hmm. So that was a World Elite team that was not very good. And people like me going into the season, I was more than happy to make some excuses for him and be like, oh, well, you know, he was on a terrible Chinese team. There wasn't a lot he could do with the plays that he made. There's a lot of reasons why this might have gone down the way it did. And, and all of that may be true. But when you look at him in Fnatic now, there's – a much simpler answer than the one that we were giving earlier, which is maybe the guy just isn't that dominant of a jungler. Maybe he had one super amazing tournament and the rest of it is kind of up in the air. I And, and that's kind of where I've come down on this team. I, I don't think that Gamsu has proven that he's going to be some hard carry. I think Spirit is very up and down in how much he's able to dominate and if Fabivan isn't going to be the Fabivan we saw last year that made it to the semifinals at Worlds, it doesn't matter to me how many other things go their way. It just feels like this is a team that's kind of being set up for failure, especially when you consider the fact that they're about to play Chaogu, which is a team that I absolutely love. And I've watched a little bit more of the LPL than you have, so I've seen them win games, which I don't know if you've actually had a chance to do so yet. But Chao Gu, when you watch this team, what is the most exciting part of this team to you? So the most interesting thing for me with, with Kwao Gu is, who's going to start at AD Carry? Do I get to watch Uzi some more, or, or, or am I going to get to watch Uzi 2.0, which is Peiko? That, Probably that's kind of Peiko. You've got to Peiko? imagine. Peiko's okay. played in most of their games, and he's only lost once the entire season. Okay. He is easily so, the best AD carry in, in China right now. And I love him and everything about the way he plays. And I really wish we had games on 6.3 so I knew that he was handling the current meta well. But he's so good. He's just so good. It's so much so, fun. So, so my curiosity is that uh, I, they're going to play against SKT. And I'm not sure who wins that series. Mm. But if they lose, they're going to play against CLG. And CLG plays a very similar style to what Royal beat Kwagu with last week. Mm-hmm. That very aggressive, in the jungle, getting control. And that's kind of been how CLG's been playing recently. So I want to see that matchup. Whether you know CLG does something crazy and beats SKT in the first round, whether it's in the loser's finals, wherever it happens, that's the matchup out of this entire tournament I want to see the most. Mm-hmm. I want to see Chaogu against CLG. I think that'd be entertaining to watch. I think it'd be really kind of special. And I don't think I'm going to get to see it. I think I'm going to get to see two CLG versus SKT series. And interesting. That's disappointing to me. But 
Kwaogu, I I didn't get to see the like the crazy team fighting that that had been talked up by by Kelsey and, and Froskirin and and Emily. So that's what I'm I'm really looking forward to is I want to see them get one of these games where they kind of suck the early game and then transition and I want to see this team fighting prowess that I've heard so much about. I want to see them accomplish it. I want to see Join B go off and be carrying these team fights. That's really what I want to see. That's the most exciting thing to me. And I think I'm only going to get to see it like once or twice. I don't think I'm going to get to see it a whole lot because I think the rest of the teams that they're going to run into are much better in the early game. Well, and that's the thing that there is the biggest concern for them. And Kelsey Moser touched on this in her article that I mentioned earlier, but Chao Gu is consistently behind at the 10-minute mark. Gold deficit on average of minus 470. Uh, the only team with a worse average gold deficit in China is the last place team uh, of Group A, which is LGD Gaming. But that, you know, even with that said, they've only lost three games this whole season. And I'm not talking about three series. I mean three games. Because this team is a team-fighting menace. Swift has been playing the Rek'Sai, some of the most efficient Rek'Sai I've ever seen. 73% kill participation, which is just insane, honestly. He has the most percentage of his team's gold for a jungler of anyone in China. He gets 20.8% of his team's gold, and he uses it so well towards maintaining that jungle control. And the thing that makes them so interesting is that they, when they do lane swaps, they won't go for the double trade. They'll do the first trade because, you know, they want to have that happen. But then what they'll do is they'll take their AD carry and move him to the lane where they just grabbed a turret and just, or, or where, the other lane could push, I should say. And they just let him farm. And they don't worry about pushing the tower. They just let him farm up so that when the 20, 25-minute rolls around, they immediately start picking fights around choke points and try to get to these massive team fights that work out really well. Now, we were saying the same thing about them heading into Worlds last year. And this is the concern that I think a lot of fans understandably have about Chaogu, which is that if the early game is that weak and they play teams who do a good enough job of snowballing the early game, will Chaogu have enough in their arsenal to come back and win those games? But on the other hand, when you're looking at where a lot of these teams are, you know, CLG has a lot of great individuals, but their team play as a whole is still... You know, the 5v5 team fight's still not something I feel overwhelmingly confident with with CLG. SKT has two guys that are playing out of their mind and three guys that still have room for improvement. Chaogu has the potential to just rock this group. It, it, it puts them in this weird place where they're either going to be the best team potentially at this tournament or they could bow out in the group stage. And we just say, oh, yeah, right. They don't know how to play the early game. And they just got destroyed. It really could go either way. And, and none of the results would surprise me. I guess at the very least, they start with a warm-up game against Fnatic. Which, <laughs> where do you think the line is on that, by the way? Chaogu minus 250? Chaogu minus 333. Okay. Unicorn has no chill. 
I, I honestly was going to say 300, but I thought for a second maybe the Western fans had bet, had you know gambled it down a little too much. But yeah, that, but anything anything over minus 300 is completely fair in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's it's very reasonable. And honestly, I like Chagu quite a bit. Who are the two teams you think get out of this group? Is is it as simple as we think it is? SKT gets out. Yeah, I think it's SKT and Kwagu. Yeah, I think it is too. And it's not that That's... CLG isn't good because they are. And of all the Western teams, they're the one team that I do think stands Actually, a legitimate no. chance. No, no. You know what? I'm gonna go back on it. I'm gonna say SKT and CLG. Whoa! I okay. think I think I get my best of three series between CLG and Kwagu. I think SKT beats Kwagu in a, in a best of one. Yeah, that's going to be the interesting part, right? Is that this winner's bracket is best of one, which, by the way, I am. Um, I, I know why you do it. I understand. I truly do. But we all know that best of ones suck, right? Like, we're aware. Like, this is a terrible format for actually trying to figure out how good these teams are compared to each other. It, it's just such a shame because in a best of three, I think Chowgu beats SKT, but all you need is one great faker game. And yeah. suddenly Chowgu's in the loser's bracket against a team in CLG that can prey upon their weaknesses. I, I don't know. I like Chowgu even against CLG. I think their coordination's just too good. One of the things that someone pointed out on Twitter, and I wish I could remember who it was, a lot of people can break it down to when a North American team gets a lead, it's because of a mechanical outplay. When a European team gets a lead, it's because of a macro outplay. And honestly, with CLG, I think that's very true. When Darshan, Xmithy, Aphromu, when these guys make big plays, they get ahead. But Chowgu does not care about your individual outplays. They do not care about fighting you for the first 20 minutes. They will gladly give up the towers because they believe they can beat you as a five-man group. And to me, I want to see more of CLG before I'm willing to, to go for that. But I, I think CLG's early game macro, uh, and maybe some of it's recency bias, but the last few weeks has been probably the best in the West. I think they've been playing the early game better than any team outside of maybe like Vitality. That's fair. I think that's entirely so, reasonable. Like I said, that, 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 that's my point. Like, I think that CLG against Kagu and at least two of the games can get an early enough lead that V has shown that he's not great against split pushers. He, he he had a lot of trouble against Looper's Nautilus trying to split push on him and, and wasn't able to really control top lane. And I just think the way CLG drafts and what they're going to do with Darshan, I don't think that V can control Darshan for three games. I think that it's definitely going to go to three games. I think it's going to be a really fun series if we get it. If they manage to beat SKT in a best of one, then, I mean, I'd love to see... Faker and Bang go up against Darshan, Xsmithy, and Aphromu and, and just see what the hell happens. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a fun series regardless. Yeah. But let's make our prediction, Walter. Who do you think wins this tournament? You had to pick. Royal. Interesting. I think Royal wins it. I will say, you're making that pick – Despite the fact that Kelsey Moser says, I don't think very highly of Royal in this tournament. She knows better than me, but I just from just from the, the, the what I've seen and what I know of kind of how the meta is, mm-hmm. I, I think Royal can get the 
the early game advantage, and I think that the control that Looper and Mata are able to place on the game is, is very, very difficult to match for anyone. I, I know everyone's saying SKT, and yeah, it's Faker, and yeah, SKT is probably going to win, but we've seen three games of blank in the LCK, and they have not been good. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a good jungler, and I think that, that MLXG is going to eat some of these other junglers for lunch. I'm, I'm totally okay with being wrong. I don't watch a lot of China, Chinese or Korean League of Legends, so I'm, I'm totally okay with being wrong. It's not going to be a Western team. I'll tell you that no. much. And it There's is funny, no Western right? team stands a chance here. I think it's one of those things where people are always gun-shy to hype up China, uh, especially Chinese analysts more than anybody, because when we were all talking about how good they were heading into Worlds, and by the way, <laughs> I watched all those games heading into Worlds. They were that good. Once I, bit, twice shy? It, it's, it just – people freak out because when they don't watch the games, there's a natural inclination to – you know, believe that someone was trying to pull the wool over their eyes or that there was some grand conspiracy or that the analysts that cover it are not realistic about the expectations. But honestly, if you listen to Kelsey Moser, Emily Rand, any of those Chinese analysts, I think they're harsher on these teams than most of the rest of the world is, which is really funny in my honest opinion to just kind of see how it goes down. But I, man, I'm, I'm so torn between SKT and Chaogu. Because while I believe the Royal Never Gives Up is a great team, and I do believe they're going to be a strong contender in the semifinals, the problem with them is that they're so reliant on that Baron play. And I think everyone in this tournament should know it. Like, if anyone isn't warding Baron and just really trying to get a pick around that area of the map, they've really screwed up. I, I hate doing it. I'm just going to give it to SKT. I think Faker and Bang are that good. I think Bang in particular, funnily enough. Like I you know, Faker obviously best player in the world, but Bang right now is playing on a whole different level than just about any AD carry in Korea. And if he plays as well as he has in the LCK, I don't see anyone in these groups that steps out to me, other than maybe Pico from Chaogu, that can really step to him one on one. And I am just so excited to see how this all turns out. Chaogu would be my second team, by the way. I think it's, it could very easily be a Chaogu SKT finals, which is why it's such a shame they're both in the same group. Ah, uh, But, you know, maybe Royal never gives up surprises us. Here's the question, Walter. Who do you think is the favorite according to the casinos? Oh, SKT. No. Really? Chaogu and Royal never give up are both plus 200. SKT is plus 225. Interesting. There's some money to be made on SKT. Tell me, tell me, tell me CLGs. Plus a thousand. Are they the lowest of the Western teams? Yes. Okay, good. They are tied with Everett plus a thousand. That is reasonable. Yeah. I mean, Korea's really good. I think we always forget that just, even if you're a Korean challenger team, you're scrimming with the pros all the time. You are playing best of threes all the time, which North America can't even say. Ever's really good. And now that Key's back, I think they're going to be better than they've been in a while. Who do you think has the worst odds? Oh, worst odds? Yeah, there are three teams left. TSM. It's Fnatic. That's fair. Plus 2,000. Origin. 
is the second worst at plus 1,800. TSM okay. is just plus 1,400. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. There's some respect there for TSM. I'm not sure they're any better than Origin. <laughs> There's some respect. Uh, okay. I mean, I, th- that means that me saying the Fnatic is the weakest team here at the tournament is correct. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't disagree with you. I, I, I mean, the thing about Origin is that if they remember how they played when they did so well at Worlds, they're going to be fine. If they don't, then they're going to get their asses handed to them. There's no middle yeah. ground. But with Origin, you always have to remember that we have seen four-fifths of this talent come together in a really amazing way. And end up doing a lot of really awesome things for the team. Meanwhile, with Fnatic, I've never seen this combination of players do well. And Fabivan and you know, Reckless in particular, will say, has never looked great without Yellowstar. So I have less faith in them. But I have a lot of faith that you at home enjoyed this podcast. It was a fun one to do, a little bit longer than our usual ones, but we had eight teams to break down. It's one big tournament. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. We might do a follow-up. We might not. It's one of those things where it's an international tournament and it's fun to watch. I'm going to enjoy every minute of it, but it's really hard to know just how seriously all the teams are taking it. You know, you can make a good case that SKT is bringing blank because they want him to get international experience more than anything else. It's it really is hard to pin down some of the time, but it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Walter, where can people find you on Twitter so that they can follow along as you're watching this event? If you guys want to shout out me and tell me that I'm absolutely crazy for thinking that Royal is going to win this, you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL, and you can find my writing at SlingshotEsports.com. Awesome. And you can find me at Redshirt King, I will be live tweeting throughout the entire tournament, so you guys will be able to follow along with my reactions live. I'm very curious just to see how all these metas bounce off of each other. Honestly, to me, especially now that I've moved into more of an analyst role here at Imperial, I just love seeing how all these different regions value certain picks and, and what that's going to mean. I think there are a lot of new ideas that are going to be thrown out there that I think are going to affect each of these regions when these teams return. But you can also follow this podcast. Go to soundcloud.com slash esports rough drafts to subscribe there and make sure you're getting every episode as soon as it's uploaded. Obviously, you can go to iTunes and follow Esports Rough Drafts on there. And if you do subscribe there, please leave a review. It really does help us out and get us more noticed as we try to build our, our fan base here. And, you know, if you want to tell your friends about us, that's really cool too. We've done our best to put in a lot of really fun podcasts for you guys. We have some more coming on the way that hopefully will be coming through the pipeline sooner rather than later. At the worst case scenario, we will be back next Wednesday talking about the European LCS. So until next time, goodbye, Internet.